0: The GameCube is Cool podcast is a recorded and produced show from Toronto, Canada. If you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com forward slash the GameCube is Cool to find our $1 and $5 a month tiers. Special thank you to our Patreon supporters at the $5 level. I Rebel, Dean Donian, Jed Winters, Joey Sirico, Resident Evil Collector on Instagram, Link, Marty Thompson, Double Ugly, Bendito Benito, AJ Olson 11, and CubeDude 22.
1: The GameCube, GameCube was cool.
0: Hosted by Mike Lane and Neil Gilbert. GameCube. GameCube.
1: GameCube. And that's why iPod shuffles are now banned throughout the entire world.
0: Hmm. That's why. There's only one reason, right? Not because they're uh, they're useless in 2022. That's right. Oh, 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 we're live, Neil. Oh well, Mike. Thank you so much for joining me today. That was a great talk about the classic iPod technology of days of yore. But I have to talk to you about something far more pressing, Mike, something far more technologically advanced, something far more mm. groundbreaking. I need to know, how do you start a new loaf of bread? Are you one of the people that like you, you just start at the first slice that whatever the heck you call a first slice of bread with all the crust on it? Or do you go into the loaf two or three pieces to when you're starting to get actual bread? Or do you are you one of those uh, the, are you like one of those <laughs> crazy people who just fist all the way into the bag and go right to the middle where the bread is best? What's your what's your game plan when you're starting a loaf of bread?
1: That sounds like a chaotic evil going right, yeah. <laughs> right in the middle of the bread, or even farther down. No, I'm I'm a two, three slices in for sure. I'm a, I'm I need it to be more bread than crust, and uh, okay, because uh, uh, you know the crust pieces are like the emergency pieces. That's why I mm-hmm. call them. They're like the pieces that if you're really running low on bread and you do not want to go out to the store, it's like well. I guess I'm buttering this
0: today. <laughs> yeah, I use the two end pieces, the butts of the bread. Uh, I put them. I put them in the freezer, and I, I usually save them because if you need breadcrumbs or something, you want to make a nice meatball. You need some. You need mm, some breadcrumbs yep. on hand, so you can blend those up and make some pretty decent breadcrumbs. But sometimes you get. I get to a point where my freezer is just. I have like twelve of them. Because I, you know... i I, It's like bananas. Yeah, you just end up with... They're good for one day. Uh, You just end up with all of these butts of the bread and I don't know what to do. So sometimes I will make a sandwich and it's like the flimsiest crappy peanut butter sandwich you ever have. But like I need to get rid of some of these half... These like half freezer burned slices of bread and I don't have the heart to throw them away because I have a phobia of throwing food out. So I I love making just a crappy peanut butter and jelly sandwich every few months. But good to know that you're a few slices in. That's typically what I do when I start a new loaf of bread too. I've never been the type of person that just goes straight to the middle. I think that's something that my sister would do and it just bothered the crap out of me because you don't get that even slice because you've taken it not from directly in the middle. So now every single slice when you line them up, they're never going to be the same size, you know?
1: Yeah, I don't like that. That that really bothers me. It just also just like going through the the bag, I don't know. It's not a good luck or you know, mm-hmm. you can just be someone who gets the big big pieces of uh of, uh, I guess real, real bread, mm. uh, and you have to cut it yourself, and you can kind of choose, uh, choose your own adventure that way. Who
0: does that though? I that feels like a very much like a senior person who like remembers a time <laughs> before sliced bread. I don't know anybody like our age willingly buying full chunks of bread and slicing them on their own, unless it's like a baguette. I get it, but like to make a sandwich, a sliced loaf of bread. I don't know. I, I write in, please, if you're one of those people out there who goes to the bakery counter and says, please. Don't slice it. Please let us know why. What is your motive? Why don't you want to just buy bag bread like the rest of us?
1: Dude, every time I go to the bakery that I go to, there's always like these really old people there. And yeah, you're right. It's always the old people who are asking for these massive, just absolutely <laughs> enormous pieces of of bread not bees loaves of bread mm-hmm. of, of real rye bread like they're huge like yep. a schnitzers rye, you know that's a, that's a big loaf of bread <laughs> and uh it's uh, it's crazy to see and i'm like well, how, who are
0: you feeding <laughs> how, them, them, many, how many people
1: are in your family
0: yeah, I know. Like I worked in a grocery store. I worked in a deli, and right next to me was the bread slicer. the The bakery there, they had their cap- Caprese loaves and everything else. And those machines are terrifying. Like you'd think that in you know the twenty twenties or the twenty tens, we would have had a technology that's better uh, at slicing bread. But no, it's just this kind of medieval looking device. That like if you got your arm in there, you're done. Like that's somehow going to suck you in and cut you up like a like a tree on a, in a leaf cutter. Or in a branch cutter. But anyway, uh, no, the seniors do love going to that bread slicer and getting like the loaves with all the seeds in them because they need the vitamins and I don't know what the heck they were buying. But uh, nothing tasty, nothing that can make a good peanut butter sandwich coming out of there. I'll tell you what.
1: That's true. And when I whenever I have peanut butter sandwiches, I use some paper towels sometimes to clean up my mess, uh, maybe clean the knife off if I want to use it again. Mm. Uh, uh, And every single time without fail. I rip the paper towel off, and it doesn't fully rip off. There's always uh, that little edge. Here we go. And why have we never figured this out? I, 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 I get mad every single time <laughs> I do it, and I just think to myself. And I have the one, you know, it's got the little little stick there that's oh. to, to that's, that's supposedly there to stop it, sure. to 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 allow you to rip a full paper towel off. But we, as a society, have really never figured out how to properly rip paper towels
0: i agree yeah i, I now you have yours I'm, I'm assuming that means that you have your paper towel standing upright correct it's vertical mm-hmm. on your on that's your... right yes yeah see my parents house they had the horizontal like a like it was basically like a toilet paper roll hanger for your paper towel that worked mm-hmm. pretty well uh so that's you the way had to it, do it if you have it horizontal and you pull down it seems to work but if you have to pull vertically from either i'm assuming you pull from this is a whole other question do you pull from huh. up to down or are you pulling up with your paper towel no, no, I'm pulling, like, up to down. Yeah,
1: up like, to, that's, I, that's the only way you do it, right? Like, but I uh, feel like
0: now, now I'm thinking if you go from mm. down to up, you're probably going to alleviate this problem.
1: I probably would, but, like, that's such a weird way to do it. Oh, who, you're completely, completely changing everything you know
0: about reality. You
1: yeah. <laughs> that's when i go to the mushroom kingdom and i leave the reality of this world and i go to the mushroom kingdom world and i enter that reality
0: i think if i ever saw somebody pulling paper towel down to up i'd have to like be like i can't be friends with you like you're just gonna, <laughs> i don't know if i can accept this in my life
1: it's it would be so strange it literally would turn it's the upside down that right. that is what happens in the upside down is is uh, is Vecna is uh, mm. tearing off the paper towel rolls bottom up?
0: That's how you know if like invasion of the body snatchers comes out and like, you know, your friend is all <laughs> of a sudden pulling paper towel wrong. You know that that person has been abducted and replaced with an alien, no doubt. <laughs>
1: No doubt, no doubt, Neil.
0: Anyway, I think it's time that we get started with the episode today, Mike. What do you say?
1: Let's do it, Neil. All
0: right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Side Mission, part 12 of the GameCube is Cool podcast. That's right, we're still on vacation, if you couldn't already tell. New episode every Thursday on every major podcast service. We are the number one GameCube podcast on the internet. We're here to look back on all 555 North American GameCube games, one by one, sometimes 12 by 12, sometimes none at all. So far, we have covered 475 games. You can visit the GameCube is cool.com to check out all the things we've been working on the website was developed by our very own mike lane that's me that's him last week mike invited me onto his very professional studio to interview me for one hour that was a response to me interviewing mike on my show two weeks ago i'm glad we merged shows Mm, we probably should do that at some point why don't we start right now Let's let's merge it right now. All right, starting today. If you haven't already, go back and check them out. Let us know what you thought of the format. We had a lot of fun doing it, and uh, hopefully we can do something like that again in the future. This week, we are still on break, but we are going back to a GameCube-themed side mission in some way with a little bit of a buying guide slash eBay scavenger hunt contest between Mike and I. We both have combed through eBay with 100 US American dollars to see who can create the strongest GameCube game slash peripheral cart as sort of like a starter pack for a GameCube collector. The challenge here is to show you all that you can still start GameCube collecting with a bunch of quality games uh, and not spend an insane amount of money. Uh, this is kind of like an economic lesson guide uh, for you as well. Um, now, if you are from another country, like many of our listeners are, uh, $100 US is the equivalent of $130 Canadian, 84 European pounds, 100 euros or 147 Australian dollars. And uh, I got to say, shout out to Australia because you guys have some pretty nice looking dollar bills. Have you ever seen Australian money, Mike?
1: I have, yeah. I had a friend who lived there for a bit and brought some back and I remember seeing them and was like, oh, that's pretty good. Like we we have decent money too. We got some colorful money. Oh, we have um, colorful
0: money, but like Australia is like glow-in-the-dark mini golf level. Yeah, there, money. There's, like,
1: there's looks really cool. You can
0: yeah. see it from space, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But before we get started on the topic of the show here, Mike, I want to talk a little bit about our history with collecting. Now, uh, every game collector, I think, every gamer goes from a point where uh, you just think, I'm going to buy a game every so often when I have a gift card, when it's my birthday, when it's Christmas. But eventually, you kind of hit a point in your life where you think, I want shelves of these games. Uh, (laughs) Do you remember when exactly in your life that was for you?
1: I think it was always, to be honest. I don't think that ever wasn't a thing. Hmm. Uh, I mean, I I didn't necessarily get a lot of games. Uh, I think like all of us, when we were kids, our parents usually got us one or two games a year, and we had to rent them for the most part. You know, that's right. where a lot of our games came from was Roger's Video for us in Canada and Blockbuster, of course, we had. And that's definitely where I, rent, I played at least 50% of my games. Uh, and then the rest of them, uh, I yeah, would get one or two from parents and family a year. And I think because I would get so few that's why I wanted to collect them a lot mm. um I think it's just like if you get a lot you're the especially if you're a kid it's not as the fire doesn't burn his bread I guess you know so yeah. uh it was it was really cool to 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 get these games and I think my big thing was my dad because my dad had this inherent sense of value for stuff and still does he's very good at it um where he wouldn't let me throw out any any boxes mm. so I still have as you know Neil I still have all my old Game Boy Color and Game Boy Advance boxes, mm-hmm. which I'm sure 99% of kids threw that out because it's cardboard. Yes, <laughs> But uh, today, of course, as we know, they're worth a lot of money, especially the Pokemon games in box, uh, like Pokemon Crystals, that I have that looks in really good condition. That's worth a couple hundred dollars at least. So mm-hmm. uh, i got to thank my dad for not wanting to throw boxes out. He, of course, didn't throw console boxes out either. I have all my old consoles, handheld and otherwise, uh, still the I still have the boxes for them, which is pretty cool, mm. and uh, I think because of that influence, I wanted to. Col- I guess like collecting is not the right word. I just wanted to preserve. Maybe that's a better word.
0: Yeah, you've always had that preserve mindset. I remember even like with with everything you collect, because you also collect music too, and you keep very good, uh, very good condition of all of your records and cds but i guess my, my thought of video game collecting is, is sort of like when like do you remember the first time you went to a store like a retro mm. or a EB games i suppose store and bought like several games at a time because when i was a kid sure. you would you would buy one game you know you would go and you'd get your your yeah. tony hawk game you'd get your james bond game or call of duty or whatever and then you'd go and you'd, you wouldn't come back for months but it, it, it there came a day where we went to a video game store and we would buy between 4 and 10 games, depending on what, what the day was and what yeah. the prices were. Yeah. Do you remember the first time you did something like that?
1: I do. That's a good question. That's a good way to phrase it. Mm. So the first time I did that was when I actually got a PS3, when I got back into gaming in like the beginning of university. And mm. uh, I bought the PS3... Uh, from some guy selling it uh, And he, he was trying to give me all of his Assassin's Creed mm. games And I was like, no, it's okay, I'll just take the PS3 <laughs> <laughs> But uh, uh, I went out you know, almost immediately after uh, I bought the PS3 And I bought four games at, the, uh, at EB Games or at GameStop And they were Dark Souls uh, Deus Ex Human Revolution Thanks. Uncharted 2 and uh, Batman Arkham City.
0: That's a that's a good starter pack of uh, PS3 games, <laughs> oh, dude.
1: Yeah, those are honestly, like, arguably four of the best games on the PS3. Four of the top so, ten, for sure. Yeah, so that was a, a solid pick, and that was only... I think I got the PS3 in either late 2012 or early 2013, and all mm. those games are 2011 games, by the way. Mm. So uh, they were only two years removed of coming out, and I got them all for... Because GameStop used to have these sales where it was like three three or four or like like I think it was maybe 2 for 20, 2 mm-hmm. for 30, they had those deals and I'm pretty sure I didn't spend more than $60 on those four games.
0: Yeah, I I love those sales. I used to I used to eat that up too. We got into the PS3 around the same time. I think I also got into it. Uh, after high school, for sure, in college, I think 2013. It was around when the PS4 came out because they do yeah. try and unload a lot of their games. And man, those two for twenty sales are so good. I, I don't, I don't go into EB Games now, GameStop as much as I used to. I don't know if they do that with the PS4, but I feel like now the time that it would happen if they are.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I was, I was. Uh, I remember that moment like pretty vividly, being like, "Yeah, these are like I'm now. I, I'm back into gaming. Like I am yeah. collecting these games, and I'm going to." I kind of start this, and uh, I got a lot of free PS3 games from people, too. You mm. know, I lived with a house with five guys. They all had they had a PS3, and they all had extra games that they were giving away. So I kind of uh, had a big collection. Like, I, I got Bioshock, Fallout, all these standards uh, for the PS3. Uh, mm. I got them from friends for free, and so that was part of the collecting, too. And then uh, when I got a PS4, and then the collecting kept happening, but GameCube games... I was always collecting like I was always looking out for GameCube games right and that was that was more the preservation part that was more like I want to find nice versions of these games uh, because I had lost a lot of them uh, whether it was me trading them in uh, to get Wii games back in the day Mm -hmm. (laughs) or me giving them away because that's just what you do as a kid right? right it's like your friend is like can I borrow Mario Power Tennis sure never see that game again
0: yeah because that that's what we did as kids like with toys right like when you were done with a toy like you know you, you graduated from fisher price toys and you give those to your cousins and then you graduated from your like never lego but like other kind of building blocks and then you gave those to your cousins and then maybe like old computer games that like you didn't play anymore you donated those to your cousins so it just made sense that video games sometimes went into that bucket unfortunately
1: and i think it's important though because like the way that some people think about collecting is very much just like have these games for the sake of having them, which I don't like that idea. I like the idea that I buy games because I want to play them mm. and I want to preserve like the memories that I have with them. But I'm very open to like getting rid of games if it means someone else can play them. Uh, I'm the same way with like all my collections, with my records and, and other things, too. It's uh, I, I'll, I'll give them away if I'm not listening to them anymore uh, so someone else can enjoy it more than I can.
0: For sure. I like that. I like that uh, mentality, too, because we on our on our the Facebook group that we're a part of the GameCube Enthusiast page on Facebook, you you occasionally see people post a picture of Fire Emblem on GameCube and it's, you know, three hundred dollars or whatever the price is now. And, uh, you know, the person will say, is this worth it? And anything's (laughs) worth what you're willing to pay, really. Like, like it probably is worth that, honestly. But like, are you is it just going to sit on your shelf forever and collect dust? Are you going to play it? Are you going to put it in some kind of glass case as a as a like, present it, basically, like, there's so many questions that I have, because $300, like, no, honestly, no video game is worth that, but if you're going to get 300 hours of entertainment out of Fire Emblem on GameCube, uh, what is that? Path of Radiance? I should know this. Yeah, yeah, uh, Path, Path of, Radiance. of Radiance. thank you. Um, like, if you're going to get 300 hours out of it, then absolutely it's worth $300 because if you can get a dollar an hour out of any video game, you're doing very well compared to most other types of media that you will spend money on in your life. So, yeah, there's so mm-hmm. many different types of collectors, and I think you and I are closer on the spectrum of collectors where we buy mainly to preserve games that we liked as kids, games that we like as adults, and games that we want to show other people. I had, I had a similar mentality when I started collecting was I wanted to collect games that i thought i would be happy to lend to people like yes because yeah. there is no more blockbuster There, is, like people don't use libraries some libraries don't I have, have video games <laughs> R.I.P. <laughs> blockbuster um but i wanted to be like that source of uh video games where like when we had friends come over people would be like oh yo you have this game on n64 can i borrow it and i'd be like yeah sure and keep a mental note of who has what by the way you still have a few of my video games um but i, <laughs> I loved i loved it when we were in college and you guys would come over and look at the shelf and some people would take yeah. a game and then bring it back the next time it was really fun, and I got a kick out of that, and still have most of those games too. For me, I think I transitioned to being just a gamer to being a collector. Same time after mm-hmm. high school, but as I've said on the show before, I took a big break from video games from grade 10 through grade 12. I started getting back into it in grade 12, and uh, it really uh, took a. It really, I really got back into it when I was given uh, another GameCube. I already had one, but I was given a second one. Uh, By a friend of ours in high school, and he gave it to me with uh, GoldenEye Rogue Agent, Melee, Sunshine, Animal Crossing, two controllers, a memory card, like a bunch of stuff. And uh, just that feeling, it was so nice, like to get four games Mm -hmm. all at once, a console, which I eventually gifted to a friend of the show, Dan Kerr, to get his GameCube uh, collection started. And I think I eventually sold a few of the games too, like GoldenEye Rogue Agent, which is fine. Um, But I I all of a sudden had Melee, which is a game that I never had. And I had Sunshine. and It was just, it was really weird to receive that many games at once. And I started doing that more and more in college since I had a part-time job and I worked a lot in the summer. So I had a lot of disposable income back then. Little expenses, Mm -hmm. a lot of time, a lot of money is a bad combination when you're 20. Uh, So, you know, I went to a lot, I would spend time in classes just like going through eBay listings like what we did this week for this challenge, just putting together Mm. carts, sometimes checking out, sometimes not, putting together just a combination of N64, GameCube, PS3 games, Wii, sometimes uh, SNES games, Game Boy Color, Game Boy Advance. It was just a lot of fun to do. And then, of course, finding video game stores here in Toronto that I had no idea existed like ANC Games, uh, going to that store for the first time was really a surreal experience just to see the shelves. This is back in twenty fourteen now when there was more games there, but to see an entire wall for GameCube, an entire wall for PS two and Super Nintendo and even in television games, like the prices were like good. Like it wasn't like that I could buy all of these games for a buck a piece or anything. But it was just I spent easily an hour and a half there for the first time. And I probably spent a little over a hundred dollars too. Like I think on that day I bought star fox assault i think i got metroid prime i got a spongebob game of some kind i bought a bunch of gamecube games because like you said we always check the gamecube shelf every store we go to because Mm -hmm. you might find a good uh a gamecube game in good shape with the manual no scratches you know there's no water damage no tears in the plastic on the case and it is a nice way to preserve this little piece of history that uh that we had as a kid and um yeah, so that, that's really when I transitioned to being more of a collector was when I was about 19 years old, I think. That's when I started to go on bike rides to value villages and uh, and f- and flea markets and uh, and actual retro video game stores, starting to search them out. And I've kind of, uh, f- I was going to say flatlined, but I've kind of uh, gotten away from it a little <laughs> bit in the past few years, mainly because of the price hike during COVID. GameCube games yeah. getting way too expensive, thanks to, I'm assuming, everyone receiving their SERB checks. Um, that's probably part of it. Um, but just the hobby becoming a little too expensive. But I still like to go to uh, video game stores nonetheless and finding some of the games that we talk about on this podcast for 20 bucks a piece. I was at the video game store just the other day and I bought two GameCube games for 20 bucks each, two Wii games for about 60 or 70 dollars. So. I was happy with that. I hadn't done, I hadn't done a shop like that. I think since before COVID, honestly, it's now been about two years since I mm-hmm. just bought four games at once. Cause I've really just been buying game at a time. Like I used to recently, which has been nice, but it was, it was a nice feeling to do like a, a massive haul as we call it all at once.
1: It is really cool. There's something about it that like gives you some nice endorphins, you know, going through yeah. and and seeing games that you're like, yes, I, I do want this today. This is this is a purchase I am so down with today, mm-hmm. and uh, and you're good too because you you uh, you end up trading a lot of your stuff in to get more GameCube games or more things that you like, and I think mm-hmm. that's something that I've also evolved into for sure. Is just like I want i i i'm looking for quality over quantity yeah for for games for anything collecting wise like i'm looking for things that i'm really gonna enjoy so i don't mind spending like a hundred dollars on a game if it's something that i really will enjoy i will play it. i will lend it out other people will play it with me it's a lot harder for me to justify a hundred dollars on a like a single player game yeah um because I'm already basically paying a hundred dollars for single player games that are coming out for the p s four like a last of Us part two or something like that right mm-hmm. so it's uh it, i think it's about that balance for sure, but yeah, I know collecting is honestly like collecting is just something to do and something to bond over mm-hmm. like i love going to being able to go to record stores with my friends and being able to go to game stores with my, with my friends and everyone knows that oh let's check the gamecube section for mike you know yeah. uh, that's that's something cool it's like something something to have i think collecting is a uh, a really fun thing in life you just have to kind of balance it and you know no not take it too far that you're just losing all your money
0: yeah yeah definitely there's, there's there's always a balance and there are people who don't really it's almost like not gambling but there are people who spend definitely too much of their income on on video game collecting we don't want to get too far into that today this is not a therapy session this is a buyer's <laughs> guide for people just starting out their gamecube collection and looking to spend a hundred dollars on ebay so let's jump into the challenge now so we have a few rules for the game here that we tried to both follow here are the rules mike and the listeners following along at home All the prices had to be in US dollars and the total had to come to 100 or less American dollars. Uh, This does not include tax or shipping fees, this is the game price only. We went with no bidding prices, only going with buy-it-now prices because if you go with a bidding price, you could have just loaded up on $0.99 starting bid prices, and that is cheating. (laughs) Uh, Player's choice in this case is fine. We allowed missing manuals and damaged cases, which was fine. We just said no disc-only games because uh, that's not necessarily cheating, but you can get a really big discount if you just went with disc-only. And obviously, no dysfunctional games. I didn't want any uh, games in the carts there. That's like, does not work. It's (laughs) $0.50. Did not get it. Account. and game bundles of course are okay that's actually a preferred way to buy video games if you're looking to amass a big game keep collection quickly you should only look mm-hmm. into bundles really uh you'll have no you'll have no problem finding uh getting finding nemo or the incredibles because for some reason those two games are in just about every single bundle on ebay <laughs> I, I noticed this week Yeah, honestly. and and for proof uh if you could just post a screenshot of your cart total uh, just to kind of hold us accountable, which I did. I wasn't able to make a screenshot of like the entire cart. I see you did, Mike, which is really good. Uh, so I technically failed that part, but we've been friends for <laughs> twenty uh, twenty one years now, so I think you can trust me.
1: I trust you, I trust you. I see I see the I see the the subtotal there. So we're good.
0: That could be just a subtotal. You can see how many items it is. It could be a subtotal of random things, but you'll see I did make a list of games and it adds up correctly. So yep. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Manscaped.com. Our listeners have been using Manscaped products for the past few months and are joining the millions of people around the globe in the Manscaped community. And for another month, your body hair can be kept under control using our promo code GAMECUBE at checkout. It's officially summertime, and everybody talks about looking good for the warmer months, but few have the balls to do it. Well, it's time to nut up or shut up and take the easiest step to looking sexy this summer by using Manscaped. Manscapes' ultra-smooth package makes sure you have the proper care for down there, and their Boxers 2.0 gives you the perfect stage to show off your new look. These products may make you look hot, but your cleanly shaven nethers will keep you cool, and the Boxers 2.0 patented pouch technology will keep your boys from turning any beach day into swamp day. Dive headfirst into summer by joining the 5 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped, and get 20% off plus free shipping by going to manscaped.com gamecube. I am a huge fan of the Ultra Smooth Package, which is a specialized 3-step groin shaving kit to help you buff, protect, and smooth your most sensitive areas. I'm talking Crop Shaver Razor, Crop Exfoliator, and Crop Gel. This kit is the perfect polish to make your family jewels shine. It's an amazing kit and has become a staple in my bathroom routine. You start with the Crop Exfoliator infused with ingredients that can soothe, clear, and keep the skin on and around your groin feeling refreshed. The Crop Exfoliator can help reduce risk of ingrown hairs in your delicate places. Then you move on to the Crop Gel. You want to see where you're shaving with the clear shaving gel designed just for the groin. It's called your delicate area for a reason. This is one place you don't want to go in blind. Then, it's time to shave. The Crop Shaver was designed for shaving the groin area with confidence. The razor with three precision blades, including extra wide lubrication strips, and a pivoting head for the ultimate groin grooming experience. All three of these vegan, cruelty-free, and sulfate-free products are included so you know your manhood is in good hands and, without compromise, to the environment. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code GameCube at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code GameCube at Manscaped.com. There are so few perfect summer days. Don't let hot sweaty balls ruin them. Stay fresh, stay clean, and smelling good with Manscaped. And now, back to the podcast. (laughs) Anyway, uh, did you want to go first, Mike, with your cart? Or how how should we break this down?
1: Let's do. Let's do. Uh, I'll do two games at a time. We'll do that. We'll do kind of do okay. it in
0: chunks here. How, how many games do you have in your cart, if you don't mind me asking?
1: I've got seven. So I have like two variations of <laughs> cards. So let's I do have two
0: games <laughs> at a time. I have an odd number. <laughs> yeah, I know.
1: So so I say it because uh, my one card I have seven, and the other card I have eight. So basically, uh, one game is one game is more like specific for what people would like. So if they mm. don't like that, then there's oh. two games that equal that you have, price. You have an A
0: and B. Okay, I see where you're going That's that. right. Okay. Yeah. So, why don't you But other,
1: other than that, they're mostly the same.
0: Okay, that's no problem. So, okay, why don't you start with your first two games in your shopping cart, Mike? What did you find? Sure.
1: So, uh by the way, my total is a $96.67. We
0: came very uh, before, close.
1: Uh, we did. Yeah, yeah, before shipping and taxes. So, even with shipping, it was $128. So, uh, okay. it's still like not too bad. Okay. But um my first two games here Uh, I wanted to try and cover a lot of bases, wanted to cover a lot of genres, so my first thought was racing and shooters. Those were probably the two biggest games other than sports games on the GameCube, and I definitely wanted to try and get one of each now, there are actually a lot of expensive racing games um, looking at our list because we have a lovely database that you can actually find on our Discord where we list the prices for every single GameCube game, that the average price, and we also list if we like it or not. And so I was looking through the ones that we like and, and with that we gave good ratings and Need for Speed Hot Pursuit 2 is one of the ones that came up, which is just a really fun time. We had a bunch of guests on to talk about that back uh not too long ago maybe 10 or 15 episodes ago and i remember of the show victor and uh, a uh, third member of the gamecube is cool podcast victor mm-hmm. uh was uh, was a big fan of hot pursuit too especially the the evasions from the cops and everything and and it is a really really fun game to play those needs for speed games from the early mid 2000s are a lot of fun so that was my pick on that for the racing genre and that was only do uh twelve dollars
0: wow so pretty yeah. good. That's pretty good. Yeah, and again when we do the the pricing on our on our regular show, it's in Canadian dollars, so it uh, this doesn't necessarily translate super well. Uh I I believe I usually go with Canadian dollars anyway, but yeah, I was mm-hmm. I was really shocked at how there are a lot of really expensive racing games on the cube. You're right, but there are some good good racing games that are that are pretty cheap, like the Need for Speed games, they can be. I think I almost added it was either Hot Pursuit or Hot Pursuit Two to my cart too. I had to delete it at the last minute though, so I'm glad you have it here. You you <laughs> nice. uh, you represented that uh, that genre very nice.
1: I, I also represented the shooting slash kind of stealth genre here with Splinter Cell Chaos Theory. Ooh. Like we talked about on the Tom Clancy episode, Chaos Theory is honestly one of the best stealth games ever made. Uh, such a cool game, uh, and that was uh, also pretty cheap 12 twelve twelve ninety. For that complete in box too it looked like a really good copy and i've seen it for quite cheap as well on on the shelves Uh, Definitely the best stealth game on the GameCube. Worth it just to see the amazing gameplay with the shadows and the lighting. Mm -hmm. And probably my favorite Tom Clancy game. So definitely a must-own. There's thousands of copies out there. And if you can't find it for some reason, Hitman 2 is also a really good option, uh, which is a very similar kind of game and the same price.
0: Yeah, Hitman 2 is a good one. I picked up Chaos Theory earlier this year. I haven't had a chance to play it yet, but I think I paid about the same amount in uh, Canadian dollars, 15 or 20 bucks, something like that. Uh, So I picked it up for you. It was $15. Yeah, and it's in perfect condition, so great game uh, at a good price, and yeah, great condition. I need to definitely pop it in and play sometime, but who has the time? (laughs) Who has the time, Neil? (laughs) Who has the time, indeed. I'll go in with my first two games here. I'm going to start off with a strong Mm -hmm. one with an an RPG. There are not many RPGs on the GameCube, but I had to find one here, trying to uh, represent that genre. I I found Lord of the Rings, the third age. I found a uh, black label, Lord of the Rings, the third age, which we talked about uh, a little while ago, back in November or December of last year, I believe. Uh, the 20th anniversary. 20th anniversary of Lord of the Rings coming to theaters, that's right. And this was a game that really wowed us when we talked about it on the show, uh, just after EA had a chance to make two Lord of the Rings games based on the films, and then their third game, The Third Age, not exactly based on the films, kind of like a spinoff, uh, a very linear RPG. Like It's not like a Final Fantasy or a Dragon Quest. It's, it's, it's a very linear RPG game with turn-based uh, strategy in it, uh, but I love the the music in the game. The graphics look really mm-hmm. nice. This game has aged very well. It's not an insanely long story, but I think if you like high fantasy and you like Lord of the Rings, you'll have a pretty good time. And at twenty one dollars, like this is way less than uh, paying. insane amount of money for for some of those older RPG games, not necessarily on the GameCube, but maybe something on PS2 or on NES or Super NES when uh, JRPGs were way bigger. Uh, This is something that I think that you could play today and still have a lot of fun. So, Lord of the Rings The Third Age is my first game in my cart, and taking up a rather big chunk of it at $21.
1: And I actually found this game for, I think, 10 or $15 a couple years ago, mm-hmm. and that is, and it's in really good condition, too, yeah. which I, I was really happy to find. I love that game. I played it on PC back in the day. Yeah. We talked about it, of course, but uh, yeah, it's a great game, great pick. What's your next pick, Neil?
0: Yeah, my next pick is uh, an open-world game, one of my favorite open-world games on the GameCube, one of my favorite games of all time, actually, a game that you and I don't necessarily always agree on, Mike, and that game is Spider-Man 2, based on the movie. Hmm. Uh, yeah, you know what's funny is I looked up
1: uh, Spider-Man 2 and Ultimate Spider-Man, mm-hmm. and I don't love Spider-Man 2 nowadays, but I, I know I liked it when I was a kid, yep. but um, Ultimate Spider-Man got really expensive. I picked that up for $15, 20 yep. a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. It's 65 70 now.
0: I was going to say, right, there are three Spider-Man games on the GameCube, so if you're looking to get a Spider-Man game, you're going to want to go with Spider-Man 2. The original Spider-Man, based on the movie, again, is cheaper than Spider-Man 2, but I really wanted to get Spider-Man 2 on here just to have an open-world game based on a movie. Uh, I do think that Spider-Man, the original, is a good game, but I just think Spider-Man 2, even though you're probably going to spend another $10 on it nowadays, it's just a better experience. You can get more out of it. It's got way more replayability, in my opinion. Uh, This was a black box version. It's the first game I ever got on GameCube. I'm really glad that it hasn't shot up in price over the years, honestly, because I can recommend it to people whenever anybody Mm -hmm. says that they just picked up a GameCube. You see all of those recommendations for Sunshine and and Metroid and Melee, but I always like to throw Spider-Man 2 into the hat and a few other games down this list that I'm excited to talk about. But uh, glad to see that it's actually priced way less than it was when it first came out. I found this copy for $14.88. Yeah, that's
1: probably around what I I usually see for fifteen or twenty. Mm-hmm. So that that checks out. They're yep. just it got mass produced to hell like there's so many copies of it and it was during the peak of gamecube 2002 2003 uh so it's um you know that's that's when a lot of copies were going getting put out and that's why i think ultimate spider-man doesn't have that many copies because it's a pretty late gamecube game yeah and now people are kind of like finding it and because not a lot of people know about ultimate spider-man they're like whoa this is a really good game it's like yep it's
0: very unique. Yeah, because it wasn't based on the movies. That's why I think it was. Mm-hmm. It didn't have as big of a print. It was basically like a comic book spinoff more than anything. So, yep. yeah, and that's why it's more expensive now. And that's why it didn't make my cart because it would have taken <laughs> up more than half of it. So with that, Mike, why don't you uh, let me know your third and fourth game in your cart?
1: So I had to do some sort of extreme sports, skateboarding style mm-hmm. game. It's the early 2000s. You're collecting for this system, you need to have a Tony Hawk game. And since you can't get one or two on the cube, you might as well go for the third best one, in my opinion, which is Underground. Nice. Uh, such a fun game to play. I picked it up before we talked about the Tony Hawk uh, games uh, in that episode way back, almost 100 episodes ago. and Because I couldn't remember if I, it was Underground 1 or 2 that I liked a lot. And it was definitely 1, yeah. 2 actually hasn't aged that well. (laughs) So uh, one is definitely the way to go. And I found it for quite cheap when I bought it myself. And this time, same thing. This was only $10.07. Sweet. Uh, This was the only copy or this was the only one Uh, of all the games that I picked up on eBay or uh, pretended to pick up that uh, had a player's choice uh, banner. All the other ones were black label and complete in box.
0: Yeah, Underground is a perfect choice and an extreme sports game too. Great genre of video game that we love to talk about from this era. I had a feeling that you were going to throw a Tony Hawk game in here and I Mm -hmm. did too actually. Mine's going to come a Mm -hmm. little bit later. Uh, Yeah, I think that it just saddens me to think because in recent news uh, we did hear that Tony Hawk 3 and 4 was in development uh, as a remake, uh, like what they did with one and two recently, but it unfortunately got cancelled after Activision was acquired. So it just made me think even more that we had it. we were we came so close to getting an underground remake. And I know that that's something that you would really love to see someday, but I'm also equally glad to see that that game is still very affordable. I picked it up, I think, last year on Gamecube, and it's still bits it was pretty cheap then, too. So, Great pick. Glad that you could get that one in there. And that was $10, you said? Yeah, $10. Nice. And that
1: game is still very much alive in the community, too, mm-hmm. as we talked about in that episode. Yep. Huge community. Thug Pro mm-hmm. uh, that, that around that game who manage it very similar to the Super Mario Superstar Baseball that we talked about a couple of weeks ago. So yeah. I always love finding communities in, in old games like this.
0: Mm-hmm. Me too. And do you have a, a community in your game number four there, Mike? <laughs>
1: Not really, but uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, well, the franchise is a community, so uh, people associate COD with uh, kind of new Call of Duty, you know. But uh, there was a time where Call of Duty was actually really, really, really good, and this is Call of Duty Two, Big Red One, uh, which is just a really unique game for the GameCube uh, because it it was a game that I had always seen on shelves but didn't know a lot about it, and then when we did a lot of research on it and we brought friend of the show Spenny on. Uh, to talk about this game and his memories with it and him playing it with his dad. Uh, right. It was uh, really cool to to hear about how this was like their answer to Medal of Honor, which in, you think of now, like Medal of Honor being like nothing. But right. Medal of Honor was kind of the more realistic um, honoring the, uh, the veterans and everything kind of game. And Big Red One did that with an amazing story. There was such great uh, team, kind of like team bonds and everything, chemistry. Uh, and uh, watching people get blown up, basically, who were in your team that you didn't even expect. Uh, great voice acting, because I think that's like the cast of Band of Brothers, right? Or yep. some of the people from that. Mm-hmm.
0: And I think it's even made by the, was it some of the producers? I'm, I'm forgetting. Yeah. They had a lot of connections to Band of Brothers, and it was trying to be as historically accurate as possible, which is funny to think that we lived in a time when World War II shooters were trying to be historically accurate. When you look at what Call of Duty has become now, where it's just this arcade yeah, mess that... Uh, it's mainly just made to pump out money every year. It's that's funny to think, but you're right. Yeah, Band of Brothers connected to Big Red One. Fourteen eighty nine,
1: a yeah. solid, solid price, uh, complete in box for a really, really good game. Uh, that it, it, it's clunky. It's a little bit clunky to play today, but the story itself is worth the price of admission for sure.
0: Yeah, first person shooters are kind of tough to go back to as we've learned doing the show. But I have, I have mm-hmm. a game like what you picked there later on in my list as well. So. I'll transition now to the next two games on my list, and uh, got to go with another movie tie-in, but one that you and I both love and both own is King Kong, based on the movie, based on the game. Peter Jackson's King Kong, to be con- to be exact.
1: Yes, thank you. Peter Jackson's King Kong, the movie, the game. The official it's movie the...
0: game, correct. Yeah, you got it. You, the, the, you terrible, know the one. Terrible, terrible title. <laughs> absolutely awful, but an absolutely gem absolutely amazing gem of a game uh this is a terrific ubisoft game on uh, gamecube it's also really good on some of the other platforms that it's on it's uh it's graphically very impressive gameplay is a lot of fun you can definitely see ubisoft's uh inspiration to make later games like far cry in this game no doubt them throwing you know, the spear throwing is a lot of fun the environmental storytelling of this island that you're on the lack of a HUD where you don't uh, you don't know yeah. how much ammo you have you have to your character says how much ammo you have the story and how close it is to the movie is really cool uh, it's actually somewhat uh, scary some of the parts like just going through the caves and, and there's dinosaurs around and of course King Kong uh, this game has aged very well I've I've played about, about half of it I think I got through and then I got sidetracked with something else but I bought it for I bought it for in real life I bought it for fifteen dollars a couple of months ago and. Great condition, great manual, great case. Everything. The game works just fine. I, I, uh, I'm really glad that I have it in my collection. And uh, I found this game on eBay for fourteen dollars. So not a huge price for a game that's uh, pretty good. And this was another late GameCube game. This was a cross-gen game because it, I think it sold mm. better on Xbox 360. Uh, this was one of the first big Xbox 360 games, if I remember correctly. Um, so yeah, had to have King Kong in my cart. It's
1: just a great game. Like mm. uh, it's so so different, so unique for a movie tying game, the fact that it was, it was, um, so Peter Jackson was so involved in the making of it too. Yeah. Uh, I probably one of the first video games ever where a director for the movie actually had a lot of input into that game.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's, I, I love it when the creators themselves, the authors or the directors have a say in the game creation and everything. Cause you can definitely see the quality and the love carry over from the movie to, uh, to the gameplay. So
1: mm-hmm. yeah,
0: great game. My next game on my list here is not one that I would recommend, or not one that I would probably pick up on my own, but I wanted to have a traditional sports game in my cart, and tra- traditional sports games on GameCube are relatively cheap for the most part, so I went with NHL 2004. Uh, I just wanted to have a hockey game on there. I like, I, I do like video game hockey games, and I really enjoyed uh, covering all the NHL games. Feels like about a year and a half ago now we did that with... Uh, Patrick Hickey Jr., uh, to have him on the show. Um, that was a lot of fun. And I really didn't know which one to pick, but I remember us talking pretty highly about NHL 2004. And I was able to find a copy of this game on eBay for $8.90. So it was a pretty easy add to the uh, to the cart, because once you have one hockey game on, on the cube, you really don't need any more, really. You can pretty much play that one forever with friends and, uh, and have a really good time.
1: And that, I assume, would be the cover with Danny Heatley. Uh, on it and not Joe Sackett because I was lucky enough to get the Joe Sackett cover for $10 at uh, one of our local game stores, mm-hmm. because I guess they just had no idea that the Joe Sackett variant is worth a lot of money. So yeah. still have that, uh, I might sell it and I might use that hundred or $200 to, uh, go through these games as well and <laughs> do my own eBay list again.
0: that's the, that's that's a good tip actually for collecting is you know buying a game that's underpriced selling it at a profit and then using that money to buy some more games. That's absolutely something that uh, collectors out there should look out for if you can. But with that Mike, what are the next two games in your cart?
1: I got a really crazy wild card here Neil uh, that you'll be a little thrown off by it's a monster house the game based on the movie
0: okay i i i thought about putting this one in there actually i'm still on the hunt for monster house i never see it at our game store but that's a great pick for one reason in particular mike
1: that's right and the reason is the arcade game so you can play within it right Mm -hmm. neil
0: yep exactly uh die what's the what's the game called now do you have it there uh
1: no i i I was hoping that you would die (laughs) die i'll look it
0: up you talk about monster house
1: Oh yeah, but, but Monster House. So the game itself is actually not that bad. It's uh, it's kind of fun to play. It's a pretty standard uh, licensed game from this time. Of course, it's based on the movie Monster House that kind of came and went in two thousand four, two thousand five. Mm-hmm. But uh, I did play it for the. Uh, the episode when we talked about it, I think that was on the Halloween episode, maybe check out. Yep. And it's actually kind of a lot of fun. And because it has uh, an arcade emulator within it, just like Jimmy, uh, Jimmy Neutron, I was going to put that one, but that was actually more expensive than this one. So, I chose this one instead.
0: yeah, that that is the reason why I'm looking for it. And uh, we I, I enjoyed finding that in this game and the Jimmy Neutron arcade. I just love arcade games hidden in video games. Mm-hmm. It's such a cool thing to do. Thou art dead is the name of the uh, is the name of the arcade game in this one, and that is a good price for admission as well. what was the, what was the cost that you said you uh, found the game at?
1: Cost for that is eleven fifty eight. Okay. So, uh, super, super cheap, easy buy. Uh, that was a that was a, an easy decision for me for sure.
0: And that feels like one of those movie games that came with a movie ticket as well, right? It did, yeah. yeah. So I could have, I could also, I can also go and see the movie. Pays for itself, right there. You saved the money already. <laughs> see, you're basically getting the game for free.
1: <laughs> exactly. And then I wanted to do, because I didn't really have many uh, uh, multiplayer games, so I had to have mm. a good multiplayer game on here. And that's Outlaw Golf. Oh,
0: you nice. know, everyone
1: needs a good, silly multiplayer game. And the fact that we have pre stardom Steve Carell as the announcer mm-hmm. is 100% worth the cost of admission alone. Uh, and the golfing itself is actually pretty fun in this game. Like it's it's no Tiger Woods, but it's mm. it's solid gameplay. It's a solid fun game to pick up for cheap and uh, get a few friends over to play this this wacky, sometimes problematic game.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little bit uh, a little bit offensive by today's standards. <laughs> but Steve Carell's comedy hasn't aged super well across the board. But yeah, that's a great pick. I forgot about Outlaw Golf. I see that game all the time. I forget. I forget that I should probably pick that game up sometime. Good to know that it's still very affordable. I feel like if more people knew that Steve Carell was in it, it might be a little mm-hmm. bit more of a cult classic, but at that you wouldn't know it because his name is not on the case. But if he was to be in that game today, they would have that on every every piece of marketing that they possibly could.
1: Yeah, this was two thousand two. This was before the office, before a forty-year-old version, and mm-hmm. it's eleven dollars ten ninety-nine. Neil,
0: nice, cool price of ten ninety-nine. You're gonna save yourself a penny there to save towards your next game. Very nice. <laughs>
1: that's that's right. What are your uh, last two games here, or no? I guess next two games.
0: My next two games are very similar to a batch of games that you already talked about. So I won't be, I won't spend too much time on it now. But my next two games are starting with Tony Hawk Pro Skater Three. Uh, This is the second game that I ever bought on GameCube back in the day with my uh, birthday gift card. I remember going to EB Games and I had to get Tony Hawk Pro Skater 3 because it's one of the first games that I ever played on GameCube. I have a Mm. lot of good memories about that game. Uh, If you haven't already, go back and check out our Tony Hawk episode. That was a lot of fun to record. Um, But I I owe a lot of my musical interests to the Tony Hawk series, too, not just skateboarding, but also discovering bands in those games like Rage Against the Machine, Bad Religion, Zebrahead, and even just random songs from bands like Body Jar or whatever, like Goldfinger, bands that lived and died in the 90s, really. Uh, I love the soundtrack from Tony Hawk Pro Skater 3 just as much as the first two games. Like I said earlier, I was very heartbroken to find out that uh, Tony Hawk Pro Skater 3 and 4 was in development for PS5 and 4 and all the new consoles, and uh, we may never get to see that game, which just makes me mm-hmm. sad. But I'm really happy that uh, folks out there can pick up Tony Hawk Pro Skater 3 on the cheap. There's so many fun levels to play in that game. You can go to the airport. You can there's a ga- there's a level in Canada, which is a lot of That's fun. Right. The uh, opening level in The Foundry is an iconic Tony Hawk Pro Skater uh, level to play. I love collecting all of the letters, all of the tapes, uh, trying to get perfect runs and high scores and everything. It's just such a nostalgic game for me. And I was able to find this nostalgic game, Mike, for $4.80. Wow. that's uh, I didn't find
1: anything under $10. Yeah. That's, uh,
0: that's a solid one. See, I had a little trick there, Mike, where I uh, did an eBay search. I just searched up GameCube games, and then I made the price range 0 to $5 <laughs> just to see what I would find, just to kind of bump up my numbers a little bit. Uh, I like that. And somehow it works, like it's a black black box, uh, Tony Hawk Pro Skater 3. I'm assuming it works. I have no way of knowing, but that was the <laughs> price I found. So $4.80 cool. for one of, one of my favorite games of all time. Uh, moving on to another game that we kind of already talked about is Medal of Honor Frontline. Now, unfortunately, mm. this is a player's choice copy that I found, but... Ah. That's okay. I have very fond memories of playing Medal of Honor Frontline on New Year's Day with my friends when they came over for New Year's Eve and just playing the D-Day uh, level over and over again. Doing the Normandy level was so much fun. I love the campaign in this game. It's Medal of Honor is is a really special franchise. Uh it pioneered a lot of what what you consider first-person shooters to be today, mm-hmm. and uh we owe a lot to to Frontline, mainly the PC version, but the console version is still pretty good nonetheless. Uh, the music is uh, is unbelievably good. It's um, that that's that game also has a lot of ties to Band of Brothers and Steven Spielberg, and a lot of the producers who worked on uh, Saving Private Ryan also yep. worked on all of these military shooters from this era. So you really can't go wrong with any of the World War II games from this era. And I found it for four ninety nine. So, wow. absolute steal for Medal of Honor Frontline. And uh, so that's two games right there that only took up about ten percent of my <laughs> cart. So I was happy with those two.
1: Worth it just for that opening uh, scene and mm. that being able to play uh, in D-Day. That's such an uh, iconic, amazing uh, uh, part of the game that I remember very fondly as well. So, yeah, great, uh, great pick up there, Neil. Thank you. Uh, for me, uh, my last game slash last two games here, uh, I went with Battle for Bikini Bottom. Okay. Which is just an amazing game. It's yeah. it's really fun to play in every way, as we we said in the SpongeBob episode a couple of weeks ago. But if you don't love SpongeBob, this game probably is not for you. It's it's chock full of references to SpongeBob. It's very yeah. much like Hit and Run with The Simpsons. You know, like Hit and Run is fun if you're not a Simpsons fan. But I would probably recommend other things as well. Uh, and also, the copy that I found, uh, I, I found some not as nice copies, but the copy that I found. Uh, complete inbox was twenty six ninety five, so that that was a mm. a pretty pricey one. So I I split it up as an alternative here. And the two games that I picked were NHL Hits two thousand two nice. for okay. thirteen dollars, mm. and Pool Paradise for twelve thirty three.
0: Sweet, that's a great hidden gem. I love that game. You own it too, so you can definitely stand mm-hmm. behind it now. Two great games, and that just beefs up your sports there, your sporting games there too.
1: That's right, and NHL Hits 2002. Now, this is a game that you don't have to know anything or have any interest in hockey to play this game. No. It's just so much fun to play in every way. Uh, the fact that you get, uh, you know, where else can you can you start up a game to roll in by Limp biscuit. Uh, <laughs> there's something beautiful about that. And, mm-hmm. and it also plays so well. And if you're a fan of Strikers at all, which I uh, hope that many of you are who are listening to this podcast, which Strikers goes for like at least $100 today. Well, this is a great substitute because it's the same dev team who made this game yeah. that made Strikers.
0: That's an awesome choice. I love that you have that that Battle for Bikini Bottom at about $26 and then two games that equal $26. Because sometimes when you're collecting, you do have to make that choice. Like, do I want to buy this expensive mm-hmm. game or do I want to buy two or three moderately priced games and beef up my, my catalog a little bit? That's a real-life situation that most collectors find themselves in. So I'm kind of glad that you made that scenario. Scenario for yourself and I agree that like you know when we talked about spongebob a few weeks ago We did kind of get that feeling like yeah, these are really good games, but would we have the same? Uh, nostalgia for them and appreciation for them if we didn't like spongebob or speedrunning as we learned with battle for bikini bottom i'll jump ahead a little bit and just spoil a bit of my list here i also have battle for bikini bottom on my list uh mainly because uh i would love to have mario sunshine on my list but as the listeners have probably figured out by now there are no first party games on my list so because they're just too expensive i would end up just blowing the entire price of my cart all in one game so i had to pick something that's not on par with a Mario 3D platforming game, but something that has no right to be as good as it is. Uh, Battle for Bikini Bottom has so much to do in it, so much to collect, so many jokes to uncover, so many characters to interact with. The levels are big, the platforming, it all works. The levels are all very vast. They're very dynamic. Uh, they're, they're scalable. Like You can go really high up in some of them. The exploration is mm-hmm. great. And there's a whole speedrunning community around it too. So if you ever want to get really good at uh, Battle for Bikini Bottom, that's out there for you. Uh, and there's so many other SpongeBob games. To this is like a gateway drug to all the other SpongeBob games that you can play. And I found my copy with no manual for eleven dollars. So ah, you yeah.
1: you found a a decent one there. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I I found a couple that weren't great quality. Yeah. Maybe, maybe you looked before I did, so maybe that one's gone. Maybe oh. that's why I couldn't find it anymore. <laughs>
0: maybe, yeah. I looked a couple of nights ago, so it could have been... Maybe maybe I bought it. Who knows? But uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I wasn't too worried about not having a manual. I do sometimes buy games without manuals. If the price is yeah, good, like in this case, I could get the game for half of what it of what you would have paid for it. So not a bad trade-off in my opinion. Do you have any no, more games no. left in your cart there, Mike? Or are you all empty?
1: I'm all empty. I'll just say Pool Paradise because I'm sure most people don't know what Pool Paradise actually is. It's an ultra-realistic pool game that has a lot of features in it, like a ton of features. There's even kind of a story mode in it mm-hmm. where you are trying to win back money from a loan shark who is actually a shark. <laughs> uh, it's got Yeah, it's pretty wacky. It's got a day and night cycle mm-hmm. in it as well, so that I don't know why that's in a pool game. And there's skee-ball, Neil. You can play yep. skee-ball in it, which is really really cool and it's in the 1001 video games you must play before you die so mm-hmm. play it
0: yeah that's what i was gonna say just like it's got pool in it yes which like pool doesn't necessarily translate super well to video games sometimes it does but ski Ball is one of the greatest arcade games of all oh, time yeah. and it's the only way you can I believe it's the only way you can play ski Ball on the gamecube not counting like maybe it's in sims or something <laughs> so yeah it's a really cool game it's got so much charm to it so much little extra detail it's it's a really fun game to pick up and not too expensive so great hidden gem that you were able to sneak in there I have one more game to uh, to bring my price up to close to $100. And I'm kind of surprised that you didn't throw it in here, Mike, because it's a game that we suggest all the time that's uh, relatively well-priced for how popular it is. And my last choice of the day is 007 Nightfire.
1: I mean, I assumed you were going to put that. So, <laughs> so I, I uh, stepped away from it. I was actually thinking From Russia With Love was mm-hmm. my other one, but I thought, uh, no, Neil will probably put uh, Nightfire, which is, it's the only pick. Obviously, you can pick up all four or slash five James Bond games, but Nightfire is the one. It just the perfect game in terms of uh, uh, the arcadiness of it and the James Bond stories and the fact that the multiplayer is by far the best of any of those games in this Uh, in this era, and we believe that the multiplayer is better than GoldenEye just because you can play the multiplayer today.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. You're totally right that you can definitely pick up. I could have added any of the four James Bond games. I'm not counting 007 uh, 007 Rogue Agent. There's no way that that game is worth uh, adding to a cart here, especially if you're just getting started on GameCube. If you're going for a complete James Bond collection, that's probably when you'd want to pick it up. Close second for me on this one would have been Everything or Nothing, I think, and then From Russia with Love. But, no, I had to go with 007 Nightfire, man. Like, that campaign is so good. This game looks terrific. It sounds awesome. It's basically a Pierce Brosnan movie that we never got. And Pierce Brosnan is my most nostalgic James Bond actor of all time. So anything that I can get with him is – that sounds weird. Anything I can get with Pierce Brosnan, I will take. Um, I love his movies. I love I love the games that are based off of his likeness. So, um, yeah, 007 Nightfire. Had to throw it into this cart Uh, So that you and I can continue having some amazing uh, multiplayer experiences, which we still have to this day. So I can play through the campaign for the hundredth time, probably. So I can just snipe people in the head and and set up landmines everywhere. And I can do all of that (laughs) for the low, low price of $16.99, which I actually saw this game at ANC Games the other day for that exact price in Canadian dollars, too. So... 007 Nightfire man like it's a super cheap game and it pops up from time to time and occasionally I do see people on our discord or on our Facebook chats or wherever and they just be like oh yo just got this game and it's like good like I'm glad that night (laughs) I'm always glad to see Nightfire finding a good home
1: It's always nice to see it's nice to see all the love that Our listeners have given us on our Nightfire episode, one of our best episodes, our number one episode, I should say, uh, which is just crazy to us. We, of course, love that game. And yeah, I love when people bring it up. And it's definitely a game that I always recommend people, especially if they have any interest in shooters or James Bond. It's Mm. an absolute must. And that concludes uh, our list, Neil. So, yeah, what do you, uh, what do we think? Who, who won that, that, yeah. uh, that round?
0: Yeah. So my cart came to ninety six dollars and fifty six cents. Uh, so just three dollars and forty four cents below. Uh, I couldn't find a three dollars and forty four cent game, unfortunately, to make it an even one hundred. <laughs> I tried so hard, but my list is Lord of the Rings: The Third Age. Spider-Man 2, King Kong, based on the movie, based on the game, NHL 2004, Tony Hawk Pro Skater 3, Medal of Honor Frontline, player's choice, Battle for Bikini Bottom, and 007 Nightfire. So a total of eight games for 100 USD. What's your list, Mike, in, sum- in summary?
1: Need for Speed Hot Pursuit 2, Tom Clancy's Splinter Cell Chaos Theory, Tony Hawk's Underground, that's a player's choice copy, uh, Call of Duty 2, Big Red One, Monster House, Outlaw Golf, NHL Hits 2002, and Pool Paradise.
0: It's a good list. It's a good spot. It's, I wouldn't be disappointed if I unwrapped that box of games on Christmas morning back in 2004, no no doubt. Mm. But <laughs> I got to say, like, I think I'm, I'm going to go with my own list. I'm very biased, though. So I think we're going to have to leave it to the listeners. Yeah. We'll put out some sort of a poll or something to find out who has the better list of $100 games. And your total came to... $96.67,
1: so okay. just a couple cents more than you.
0: Yep, I'm sa- I'm saving you money if you go with my list, ladies and gentlemen. Just <laughs> just remember that. Neil's here to help you save money.
1: Vote Neil and save your money.
0: <laughs> Mike, this is a really fun episode to do as a side mission, but we will be back next week uh, with our regular content. So with that, why don't you let the listeners know what they can expect next week on episode 108 of the GameCube is Cool podcast.
1: Yes, Neil, we are done interviewing ourselves, and we are done talking about collecting games. We are officially merging our shows once again, back to the GameCube is Cool. And uh, we will be talking about Donkey Kong Jungle Beat, a game that you don't hear too much of anymore. But it's uh, definitely a, I would call it a hidden gem, a first-party hidden gem on the GameCube. Of course, there are lots of them, and I actually picked this game up recently. I have never played it, Neil, so I'm going to play it, and I am going to give you a full review uh, and how it holds up in the present day.
0: You're going in blind to Donkey Kong Jungle Beat. That's really exciting. I'm uh, I'm excited to hear you talk about it. Do you own the bongos? We've talked about Congo already. I don't remember. Do you own those?
1: No, I'll have to borrow those from you. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> the game is good. I, got, I, I picked it up for like $10. Yeah. It was uh, great condition. I had to do it, so...
0: Yeah, no. The game, the game itself is really fun. I'm excited for you to borrow my bongos to play it. That's going to be great. Unfortunately, that'll be the last time we ever get to talk about the Donkey Kong bongos on this podcast. But uh, no, it's a it's a nice little hidden gem. I I agree with you. I'm a big fan of the Donkey Kong Country series. So this is the closest thing that we got on GameCube, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. But until then, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to Side Mission, part 12 of the GameCube is Cool podcast, new episode every Thursday on all the major podcast services. Leave us a rating and a review so we can make the show better. You can support the show by going to patreon.com forward slash the GameCube was cool. All patrons get the show ad free and a little early. Thank you so much to everyone over there. And you can follow us for free on Instagram, Twitter or Facebook. And you can join the weekly conversation on our Discord channel. Just search the GameCube was cool. Share us with your friends and family. Tell eBay, Mike says hi. Thank you so much for the support, and we will see you next week. See you later. Bye bye. GameCube. Over 600 games you've never heard of. GameCube. The product of what happens when you think inside the box. GameCube. If eBay became sentient, that'd be the weirdest. <laughs> that'd be the weirdest person on the planet. Remember the old eBay logo? That was fun. I don't actually. What? Describe it to me really quick.
1: It had like really, it's just like a really weird longish font. It looked like a word art font oh. and they made it like not that anymore. Now it's all clean
0: and flat. It's boring. Now. Oh, I do remember the old eBay logo. Yeah, you're right. It's better. Why do com- companies should just keep everything the same? <laughs> <laughs>
1: I don't like change. yeah no.